Good morning, church. Let us turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 19b, and we will read up to verse 31. Before we start reading, let us pray. Heavenly Father God, you are a God of great mercy and of great grace, Lord. We are thankful that you guide us in the direction um, that is true to your word. And we ask this morning that your word, uh, as we hear it, that it works through us and we abide by it and put it into practice in our daily lives, leaning on your understanding and not our own. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Saul spent several days with disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him, but Saul learned their, of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city's gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him, brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the, the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learnt of this, they took him down to Caesar and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Good morning, church. The Lord be with you. And I hope you are praying that you are keeping well. May the Lord sustain you as you ride out the sixth lockdown. And can I encourage all of us to draw near to God? And God will draw near to you. For God is our refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble. Now, Christians are not spared the troubles of this world. In fact, Christians often have more troubles than others as they seek to follow Jesus. Now, Jesus tells us that if the world has persecuted him, it will also persecute 
us on account of him. And we find this to be true in our study of Acts. And we have seen how the early Christians were persecuted for being the disciples of Jesus. We learned last Sunday that one of the most zealous persecutors of the early Christians in Jerusalem was Saul. Now, Saul was a devout Pharisee who was passionate about preserving the purity of the Jewish faith. And he was intent to destroy the church because he wrongly believed that Christians had corrupted the Jewish faith. And so he obtained a permit from the high priest to arrest the Christians in Damascus. He left Jerusalem with self-confidence, but he arrived in Damascus a humbled man, broken and blind. Why the dramatic change? Well, we know that it was because something happened to Saul on the way to Damascus. As he approached Damascus, Saul's mission was interrupted by Jesus. And Saul was converted to Christianity. And Jesus gave him a new mission to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles and their rulers and to the Jews as well. And so in Damascus, Saul was met by a disciple named Ananias. Ananias laid hands on Saul and Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. At the same time, he was healed of his blindness and he could see again. And Saul was then baptized and his health was restored after he was able to eat again. And that was where we stopped last Sunday. Now, as we continue with the conversion story of Saul, we will see what happens next. And if you have your Bible with you, well, please turn to Acts chapter 9, beginning from uh, verse second half of verse 19. Now, incidentally, we will break, take a break from our study of the book of Acts uh, after we have finished with Saul's conversion and his preparation for the gospel mission. Uh, next Sunday, we will begin a new series on Peter's first letter. So, okay, so let's look at Acts 19, beginning uh, with the second part of verse 19. Now, we read that after his conversion, Saul spends several days with the disciples at Damascus. And after this, he immediately began to um, preach about Jesus in a synagogue. Now, of course, the Jews in Damascus who listened to him are astonished because they know that Saul has caused much trouble for Christians in Jerusalem. And he has come to Damascus to do the same. And so Saul baffles the Jews in Damascus for two reasons. One, Saul has made a 180 degree turn in his mission. Saul has turned from a persecutor of Christians to be a fervent proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two, Saul has become more and more powerful in his arguments, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And the local Jews have no answer to his arguments. And as Saul continues with his preaching about Jesus, uh, the astonishment of the Jews turned to jealousy. 
the Jews are Jews see Saul as a traitor, and they conspire to kill him. But the believers in Damascus secretly uh, helped Saul escape during the night, lowering him in a basket through an opening in the city wall. And so Saul returns to Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem, Saul would eventually go on to be a missionary to all parts of the Roman Empire, proclaiming the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles and their rulers, thus fulfilling the mission Jesus had given him. Now, Saul did not fulfill the mission without preparation. Jesus did not call Saul to proclaim the gospel without first teaching him and equipping him. We must not imagine that Saul, after his conversion, immediately was filled with all this knowledge and he could just preach uh, and teach. No, there was a time that he had to be prepared for the mission. And so we know that between the time he entered Damascus blind to the time he escaped Damascus in a basket, God was preparing and equipping Saul for the gospel mission in at least three ways. One, God was revealing to Saul who Jesus really is. Two, God was bringing people to encourage Saul in his faith. And three, God was reminding Saul that the cost uh, that mission uh, gospel ministry is costly. So these are the three ways in which God prepared uh, Saul. And these are the same three ways that God will equip us to be ambassadors of Christ. Now remember, all Christians are called to be Christ ambassadors. We therefore have a ministry to represent Christ to our family and to our friends. We are to model Christ's love. And we are to, be, to, to boldly tell others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we need to be equipped as well. We need to be equipped as effective instruments of the gospel ministry as Saul was. And God will prepare and equip us in the same three ways that he did for Saul. So let us go through these three ways. The first way God will equip us is to give us the conviction of who Jesus really is. Now, if we are to represent Christ, we must know the true identity of Jesus. Now, sadly, there are people who call themselves Christians and yet they see Jesus only as a great teacher who leads people to God. But they are badly mistaken. Jesus is more than a great teacher. Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus is the Son of God. And that is the strong conviction of Saul. Look at verse 20. It tells us that in the synagogues in Damascus, Saul begins to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. And then in verse 22, we are told that Saul proved to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. And so we may ask, how did Saul receive this conviction about the true identity of Jesus? 
Now we know that this conviction about Jesus did not suddenly dawn on Saul at his conversion. It developed over time while he was in Damascus. Look at verse 23. It says, after many days had gone by. Now, commentators are agreed that this phrase, after many days, the many days, referred to the period when God was preparing Saul, or Paul, as he would later be called. God was preparing Saul for the ministry. And this period stretched over three years, as Paul himself tells us in his letter to the Galatians. Uh, we will not turn to the letter to the Galatians, but in Galatians chapter 1, verses 17 to 18, um, Paul tells us that during these three years, he was in Arabia. Now, in biblical time, um, the northern part of Africa or northern part of Arabia was just south of Damascus. So Paul did not have to travel far to get into Arabia. Now, Saul did not tell us why he went to Arabia. But again, commentators think, think that it was in Arabia that Saul received from Jesus the revelation of the mystery of the gospel. And so in Arabia, Saul learned from Jesus as Jesus revealed to him everything about the gospel. So after his time in Arabia, Saul returned to Damascus and he preached powerfully that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And so this has application for us because as Christ ambassadors, we too need to have this full conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And this conviction comes only when we spend time with Jesus. Today, we don't need to go to the desert to meet Jesus. We meet Jesus when we open scripture because all scripture point to Jesus. Therefore, we need to be spending time reading the Bible. We need uh, to be spending time uh, studying the scripture. And I hope all of us are using the lockdown time to do that as well. We need time to meditate on scripture, to internalize the message in scripture, and also to understand what it says. So in this way, we grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, and we grow in our love for Jesus, and we grow in our conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. But let us pause for a moment to ask ourselves, what do we mean when we say Jesus is the Messiah? What do we understand by the title, the Son of God, when it is applied to Jesus? Now in the Bible, the title Son of God is used in several ways. And one way is to apply it to the nation of Israel. In the Old Testament book of Micah, uh, God said these words, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So Israel as a nation is called the Son of God. Now a second way Son of God is used in the Old Testament is to apply it to the Davidic kings of Judah. 
but one particular descendant of King David is God's chosen king, the Messiah, with the capital M. Now, the Messiah is not only king, God's chosen king, but he is also the servant of the Lord who would die for the sins of many. And this Messiah would also be called the Son of God. So when we come to the New Testament, we see Jesus assuming the role of the Messiah. For Jesus was a descendant of King David. And so we can say that the title of Messiah tells us that Jesus is fully human. But Jesus is also declared to be the Son of God. We see that at Jesus' baptism. And you may remember that at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him and the voice of God from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then at the transfiguration, uh, again a voice of God from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. So Jesus is affirmed as Son of God. And the title, Son of God, tells us that Jesus is fully divine. For the author of the letter to the Hebrews says this, that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And so I hope you get the picture here and the New Testament wants to paint that picture of Jesus, that Jesus being the Messiah is fully human and being the Son of God, he is fully divine. And the implication of Jesus to nature, fully God and fully man, is this. As fully human, Jesus is able to fully obey God's law on our behalf. And he is also able to suffer the punishment for our sins on our behalf. As fully God, Jesus is able to overcome the death he died for our sins. And in his resurrection, Jesus forgives our sins and he restores us to the right relationship with God. Now, there is quite a lot to process and to take it in, but it is important that we understand what we mean when we proclaim to people that Jesus is both Messiah and the Son of God. Put it in another way, in a sentence, we can say that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to save humanity and to restore this broken world. But we need to flesh it out. And we need to patiently explain over time that Jesus is divine, that he is the second person of the triune God, and that God the Son took on flesh, he took on human nature, and became the Messiah, the Savior King of the world, and this King who died for the sins of his people. And one day, King Jesus will return and he will judge all that is corrupt and evil. And he will restore this broken world. He will make all things new and he will establish the new heavens 
and a new earth. And all who believe in Jesus will join him in this new creation. But all who reject him and all who rebel or continue to rebel against God, they will be cast out into the darkness for judgment, where the fire is never quenched and the worms never die. Now, of course, we do not wish anyone to be cast out into the darkness. And so we want to share the gospel with people. And when we share the gospel, we are to pray and we are to plead with God to open their eyes so that they will listen, so that they may believe and be saved for God's judgment. Now, a second way God prepares us for ministry is to have someone to encourage us and someone who will vouch for our character and vouch for our faith. And in Damascus, Saul had such a person, Ananias. Ananias was able to encourage Saul. He encouraged Saul in his faith since it was him who, who baptized uh, Saul. Ananias also vouched for Saul's character. He, he told the people, the disciples, that Saul had, could be trusted because he had been transformed into a new person. And as a result, Saul was welcomed warmly into Christian fellowship and he was able to begin preaching in Damascus. When Saul returns to Jerusalem, he has another person who would encourage him. Uh, look at verses 26 to 27. And let me read. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had, been, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And so you can imagine the scenario, the situation. Saul, after a glorious conversion and after three years of preparation for the ministry, is facing rejection by the mother church in Jerusalem. You see, the disciples in Jerusalem doubt if Saul is a Christian because of his past history of persecuting Christians. So it must be very painful for Saul, and he feels the rejection and the loneliness that comes with it. But thank God for Barnabas. He comes to Saul's rescue. Now Barnabas, whose name means the son of encouragement, uh, lives up to his name. He befriends Saul, hears his story, and believes him. And then he vouches for Saul's genuine faith and introduces Saul to the apostles. So according to Paul's letter to the Galatians, uh, Barnabas introduced Saul to James the half-brother of uh, Jesus. And, and Barnabas also introduced Saul to Peter, uh, with whom Saul would then stay uh, for two weeks. 
So we can see how Barnabas facilitated Saul for approval by the apostolic church and how he facilitated Saul to be accepted by the church and prepare him for future ministry in the gospel. So how we need modern Barnabases today. We need Christians who would overcome their bias and overcome their prejudice and take the initiative to befriend newcomers to the church. Newcomers may have a different skin color. They may have a different accent. And they may come from a different Christian tradition or a different denomination. And newcomers may hold different views on certain theological issues. Nevertheless, they are true disciples. And we need Barnabases to recognize them as true disciples and welcome them and integrate them into the church fellowship so that they can serve and they can be effective ambassadors of Christ. So let us pray that God will raise up many Barnabases at TGCC. Brothers and sisters who not uh, only welcome newcomers, but they will encourage those who are struggling in their faith. And we know people do struggle in their faith. So we need Barnabases to come alongside these Christians, to read the Bible with them, to help disciple them, and to encourage them in their walk with the Lord so that they can live out the gospel in a hostile world. So that's the second way that God prepares us for ministry, to bring people to encourage us. Now, a third way God prepares us for ministry is to let us know the cost of ministry. Now, gospel ministry is costly. It's costly to our life because we may lose it. And it is costly because following Jesus is costly. Jesus says that whoever wants to be his disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Now Saul was told right at the start of his Christian life that he would suffer much for the name of Jesus. And already in Damascus, uh, his life was in danger and he had to make an escape in a basket. And now in Jerusalem, we again see Saul being threatened with his life. Look at verses 28 and 29. Let me read. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. So his life was endangered again, and some disciples have to personally take Saul to Caesarea. And from there, they put Saul on a ship bound for Tarsus, which is Saul's hometown. And Saul would remain in Tarsus out of harm's way for the next seven or eight years until Barnabas seek him out for gospel partnership. But that would be another series. But for now, 
we know and we are reminded that being ambassadors of Christ will involve suffering for Christ. Our lives may not be threatened, but we can be sure that the world will oppose us in some way. Now already, we can see that our society wants to erase the Christian heritage of the nation. And laws may be passed to make it difficult for us to share the gospel and, and even to live up the gospel. And on a personal level, our family members may reject us when they know we have become Christians. Our work colleagues may not be friendly towards us. But we should never take these oppositions personally. Uh, we must not respond in anger. We must not pay back wrong for wrong. Instead, in the face of opposition, we must continue to do what is good for everyone. And we are to do this because of two reasons. One, we know that in his love for us, God himself bore the ultimate cost of gospel ministry when Jesus died for our sins. And the, reason, and the second reason we must continue to do good is because we know that despite opposition and persecution, the gospel will continue to flourish. The gospel will continue to flourish despite persecution. And so we read this in verse 31. And, and it says, verse 21 says that the church has spread throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And the church continues to grow in number as Christians live godly lives in the fear of the Lord and as they are encouraged and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so nothing can stop the spread of the gospel because God the Spirit is powering it. Now we must not forget that the Holy Spirit lives in us and God the Spirit will sustain us and strengthen us to persevere in our weakness even when we are suffering on account of Jesus' name. And history tells us that when the History tells us that the church grows most strongly when Christians are under persecution. We see this in China. And we will see this again in the West when the church in the West comes under attack. And so we want to thank God for preparing and equipping us to be effective instruments for the gospel ministry, even in difficult times. So let us therefore boldly uh, proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And let us encourage one another to be faithful. And let us not despair when we are suffering for Jesus' name. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the record of the transformation of Saul from a murderous persecutor of Christians to a bold preacher of Christ. We pray for the same transformation in our lives and for the same boldness in sharing the gospel with our family and with our friends. 
Please prepare us and equip us to be effective ambassadors of your Son. And protect us as we live godly lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. And when we face suffering on account of Jesus' name, may your Spirit encourage us to persevere. And so please keep us faithful to the end, for Jesus' sake and for his glory. Amen. <laughs>